This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 118. The Hook Hand. Darkness was quickly settling in. As a chilling breeze pushed through the dense forest surrounding the secluded lover's lane, The moon illuminated the area around them as Mark and Lisa sat in the cab of Mark's old pickup truck. The couple was ecstatic to finally be able to be alone and take the next step in their relationship. Mark leaned in closer to Lisa, caressing her silky brunette hair between his fingers as she gazed at him through sparkling blue eyes while biting her lips softly. The scent of Lisa's perfume filled the cab of the truck intoxicating as he moved in for a kiss their lips met and for a moment the world disappeared Lisa let out a soft whimper of satisfaction as Mark slipped his tongue further into her mouth suddenly the overwhelming silence of the night air cut through like a knife as the radio crackled and went silent Mark pulled away from the kiss confused and caught off guard He attempted to adjust the knobs on the radio, but refused to return to life. That's weird, he muttered, frustration evident in his voice. It was working just fine a minute ago. Lisa glanced around nervously. Maybe we should just go, she suggested, her tone falling into a whisper. Mark hesitated his gaze locked on the area just beyond where his headlights could reach. Yeah, you're right. Let's not let a stupid radio ruin our night. He turned the key in the ignition, but the truck's engine turned over only a few times before it quit completely. What's going on? Lisa asked, her voice quivering. Panic had begun to set in, and Mark could see she was scared. He tried the key again, but the engine remained silent. Damn it! He cursed, pounding his fist on the steering wheel. What is going on? The darkness of the woods around them only intensified their unease. Mark armed himself with a flashlight while climbing out of the truck and opened the hood, attempting to diagnose the problem. Lisa followed him, clinging to her thin coat that was wrapped tightly around her. As Mark stood peering beneath the hood, the distant howl of a coyote pierced through the trees, sending shivers down Lisa's spine. She quickly spun around, glancing nervously at the surrounding trees. She couldn't shake the feeling as if something was out there watching them from the shadows. The wind rustled the leaves, creating a similar sound of something kicking them with its feet. 
The beam from Mark's flashlight flickered off the underside of the hood. I can't figure out what's going on, he exclaimed, growing increasingly frustrated. As far as he could tell, everything appeared normal. Just as he said that, a faint thumping sound echoed through the area around them. It was rhythmic and persistent, growing louder, as if someone or something were approaching them. Lisa's heart raced, nearly jumping out of her chest, as she clung tightly onto Mark's arm. Did you hear that? She whispered, her voice nearly inaudible. Mark frowned, further tightening the grip on his flashlight. Yeah, I did. Probably just an animal, babe. Don't worry. But Lisa's unease quickly turned into terror as the thumping drew nearer now accompanied by the sound of heavy ragged breathing it was too deliberate to be an animal she scanned the woods anxiously her eyes straining to see in the dark all of a sudden emerging from the blackness of the forest line they were met by a tall writhing figure hunched over and moving slowly toward them the only detail they can make out by the light of the moon was a metallic hook swinging from the figure's right hand. Mark quickly pointed his flashlight in the direction of the figure. Terror overtook them both as they were able to get a clearer view of what was before them. It was a man, or it at least it had once been one. His clothes were tattered and hung loosely off of him. His face was grotesque, suffering from decay and malformation. The space where his eyes should have been were now hollow sockets, an empty pit of despair, its ragged breathing intensified. Lisa's grip on Mark tightened, her voice trembling. We need to get out of here now. The couple took off running back to the vehicle. Just as they were a few feet away from it, Mark's truck roared to life, the headlights illuminating the area around them. Before they could react, The ghostly man with the hook hand lunged forward, moving much faster than before. He reached the truck just as Mark and Lisa tried to scramble inside, his bony fingers reaching out to grab them. The foul stench of death escaped the man's decaying lips, and his grip was as cold as ice. Mark slammed the truck door shut, narrowly escaping the thing that had been hunting them. He quickly pressed in the clutch, shoved it into gear, and hit the gas pedal, leaving the nightmarish hook-handed man behind. They quickly sped away from Lover's Lane, making sure to not look back with fear that they may see him again. What the hell was that? Lisa whispered, fear slowly escaping her voice. Mark could only shake his head, unable to find the words to describe the horror that they had just experienced. He continued driving, attempting to make sense of everything. However, little did they know that their night of terror was far from over. The pickup truck roared down the highway, the rumble of the engine cutting through the otherwise dullness of the night air. The couple remained quiet, occasionally glancing nervously at the rearview mirror, half expecting to see the ghastly figure with the hook hand hot on their tail. But the road behind them remained empty. Mark decided to finally break the silence. We need to find help. 
his voice trembling as he tried to regain some semblance of composure. We can't just keep driving like this. Lisa nodded in agreement, her eyes still fixated on the rearview mirror. There's a gas station up ahead, she replied. We can stop there and call the police. With a sense of urgency, Mark turned the truck into the parking lot of the dimly lit gas station. He parked the car near the payphone and turned off the engine. Lisa dialed 911. Her fingers trembled as she struggled to press the buttons. As the phone rang, she looked back at the truck, half expecting to see the hook-handed man lurking in the shadows. But there was nothing. Just the empty darkness of night. 911, what's your emergency? A voice on the other end finally answered. Lisa recounted the terrifying encounter that had taken place at Lover's Lane, the man with the hook hand, and the inexplicable events that followed. The operator assured her that help was on the way, and instructed them to remain where they were until authorities arrived. The minutes felt like hours as they waited, their nerves fraying more and more with each passing second. Although they felt safe at the gas station, what lie in the darkness beyond its glow continued to terrorize them. When the police finally arrived, Mark and Lisa immediately rushed to them. They told them of what had happened, every detail, every terrifying moment. They did as best as they could to compose themselves. Officer Reynolds, a seasoned officer with a stern demeanor, listened carefully, his face narrowing in concern. He radioed for backup, his voice expressing a sense of urgency as he requested additional units to investigate the area around Lover's Lane. As they waited, the couple were ushered into the warmth and safety of the police cruiser, but their unease lingered. The minutes turned into hours as they tried to come to terms with what they had experienced. It's not possible, Lisa whispered to Mark, her eyes filled with tears. That man, it's like something out of a nightmare. Mark nodded as he took her into his arms. I know, babe, I saw it too. But whatever that was, it's real, and it's still out there. Their lips met once more. Officer Reynolds approached them once again. We've searched the area around Lover's Lane, he said in a confident tone. There's no sign of anyone matching your description. No evidence of foul play either. But we saw him. He was there, Mark desperately insisted. Officer Reynolds let out a sympathetic sigh. Look, I believe you saw something, but sometimes in the dark and in the heat of the moment, our minds play tricks on us. It's not uncommon for people to mistake shadows for something more than they really are. The officer's words did little to comfort Mark and Lisa, who were confident in what they had seen. What they had experienced was not only real, but the hook-handed man, whatever he was, was still out there. The following days were a blur of interviews with the police and endless questions from friends and family. But as the weeks passed, their terrifying encounter began to fade into the mundane of their day-to-day the police investigation yielded no leads or results, and the case went cold. To Mark and Lisa, their story was long from being over. 
They felt like the hook-handed man was still out there, lurking in the shadows, watching their every move. Their once peaceful lives had been forever changed by that night, and the line between reality and nightmare had been blurred beyond recognition. One evening as they lie in bed, Mark and Lisa heard a faint tapping sound coming from the window. It was slow and deliberate, yet somehow familiar. Their hearts raced as they held each other, paralyzed by fear. The tapping continued, growing louder and more intense. Mark mustered up the courage to get out of bed and cautiously approached the window. He stood there for a moment, and finally took a deep breath, and with trembling hands, he pulled back the curtain, revealing the source of the tapping. A sharp, metallic hook suspended in the darkness inches from his face Mark and Lisa's screams pierced through the night the terror that they thought that they had left behind in the woods had returned to claim them and there was no escape from the hooked nightmare that had become their reality Welcome you damn campers to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling we're your hosts, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. Fuck yeah, it's October, it's finally spooky season. Yeah, no, no yes. doubt, no doubt. We are here for it, obviously. Absolutely. We, um, this is the first in our October series. Yeah. Right? And, uh... So why don't you tell the campers what we're doing here? Yeah. For October, the theme this year is Urban Legends. We're gonna be exploring the origins and we're going to be telling some fucking classic spooky tales here. You may have heard them one way, but we're going to approach it a whole different way. Yeah, you haven't some heard the these. campfire version. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, with the start, we started with the hook hand. Very, very, very classic, classic urban legend. Absolutely. And <clears throat> I've always liked the hook hand because it um, it has like some some obvious true crime roots right yeah yeah for sure because the the whole idea of like a lover's lane killer that's super common in the true crime world yeah i mean there's there's a lot of uh there's been a lot of unfortunate events that have taken place at these quote-unquote lover's lanes or yeah secluded areas or you know these overlooks whatever you want to call it make out point yeah i mean it's it's very it was very once a very popular thing uh, yeah, I, I mean, don't think it's as popular these days, or at least I'm not a young teenager know. to know about anymore. So <laughs> my teens aren't aren't very mobile yet. Yeah, so yeah, that's fair. They're not that's like fair. they're they're just before the phase where they're going to be like riding around in cars with their friends. Yeah, you know, which I'm not looking forward to. See, but, like um, when we were kids, I would go with girls just to like out in the country and look at the stars. Sure, and hang out on the back of my car. Like I always kept like a blanket and some pillows. For just yeah. that, you yeah. know, so there was never like a specific little midnight picnics, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I always went for like walks in the woods. That was my jam. I mean, that's that's pretty good too. Yeah, you never but know like, what's gonna happen. Some terrifying yeah. encounter, and she holds you tightly, and yeah, exactly. Probably just a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> no, what I was gonna say was like. It's these like lovers lane situations. It's like easy picking, yeah. right? Because when you're when the teen's goal is to escape, 
you know, prying eyes, you also escape, you know, the safety of supervision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Out there on your own. Young, probably not great at... Yeah. And at that age, you're probably not great at, like, facing adversity. You know what I mean? Like... You attack, like, a 30-year-old guy is very different than attacking, like, a 16-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, even though physically, a lot of boys are, they're basically physically men. I was going to say that 16, 17. could could take that, like, 30-year-olds, you know, whatever, as lunch money, but... I mean, you, until, like, your life is on the line, right? And then, like, a 30-year-old is much more capable of defending themselves in like a life-threatening situation i personally i think i mean yeah they're gonna be i think better suited or better equipped at that point yeah because i have you know 15 and 16 year olds and they fold under pressure yeah of course you know what i mean like they're they're brand new still yeah which i mean it's fair they shouldn't be like brawlers yeah yeah exactly (laughs) it's those mean (laughs) streets of of your town they'll really harden somebody yeah the main streets of tiny town indiana yeah yeah our hometown i mean that's that's why i'm so tough you know (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) it's you know growing up surrounded by gas stations and cornfields and yeah man homeschooled kids (laughs) (laughs) it is tough going out here yep mean mean streets we even had the luxury of growing up in this tiny town before meth ate half of it I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a little tougher meth now. Unfortunately, has eaten like half the country at this point. Yeah, that's true. Certainly in the Midwest and the South. Yeah, it's yeah, it's rough, man. I was I came across I was reading like a Reddit post or something recently, um, and like somebody like made a made a joke or a comment about meth, and they're like, "Oh, are you from Indiana?" <laughs> 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 just like uh, damn it that's <laughs> terrible yep uh, so speaking of zombies your hook hand guy in your story was sort of zombie like i liked that yeah. he was kind of a monster yeah i mean you know you don't know specifically what he's like it could have been the darkness yeah you know because a lot of these like traditional lovers lane hook hand stories you know premises they hear on the radio there's an escaped convict or escaped like serial killer out there and they're like don't worry babe i'll protect you (laughs) and then like then the boyfriend gets like murdered by this guy right whatever or they narrowly escape and find a gruesome hook you know anchored to their door handle right just you using that accent it changed from me picturing like a normal sedan to like they're parked at lover's lane in one of those like beach wagons (laughs) the shagging wagon (laughs) yeah like the the wagon's designed to be long enough to put your surfboard in the back yeah you know yeah (laughs) don't worry babe got some gnarly waves coming at you oh yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna do a whole episode of that voice Oh god! Not this one though. Not this one. (laughs) Thank God. It'll happen when you least expect it. (laughs) It'll be like when you cover like the Manson murders or something. (laughs) (laughs) Something super serious. (laughs) Yeah, some terrible atrocity. Uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I did have a note about timing though, because I thought it was super interesting that you chose like not to explicitly date the story. 
but there are elements in the story that make it very clear that it's not modern times. Right. Right? Yeah. Like the phone booth. Yeah, I mean, I was going to go, like, full 50s style. Yeah. um, But, I, yeah, I mean, at that point, like, it, it just... I, I like this because it's more so, you know, you can you can just kind of imagine just the setting. Yeah. You don't have to think about all the excess bloat, right? Sure. I I just, I like that, I think that points out why I don't like modern horror. Like horror written in the modern day. Yeah. Because there's so much. Little Susie Sally so- Pants was just playing on her iPhone while yeah. Billy, Billy Joe's out there. Right. And then, like, the hook guy's there, and they they both, like, you know, they multitask from Candy Crush over to <laughs> right, their yeah. camera app, and they snap a bunch of pictures. And, and then uh, Silly and they Sally call or whatever just post it all on Snapchat. Yeah, exactly. One of them goes live on, on Instagram. <laughs> like... It's, I don't yeah. know, it's just too connected. There's no like seclusion. There's right. no actual seclusion anymore. And it's yeah. I, I've spe- been speaking of which, uh, I know to cut away, and it's also entirely different. But I was, I was watching the apparently reimagining of Slumber Party Massacre last night, and it's like it's a, it's a, a basically it just takes place as modern day, and so like. These guys, uh, these girls go out to, like, recreate what had happened, and their, like, goal is to just kill the murderer eventually. Sure. That uh, is apparently still alive, maybe. Right. Um, but then there's, like, a group of guys across the, the lake from them, and they came out because they're, like, they're obsessed with this podcast. So they go to okay. all these, like, horror places and just, like, just how modern and stuff that, they, you know, they really make that out to be. Was it it's, a bummer? I mean, it kind of, it kind of was. Yeah, I I love that like '80s style, like '80s '90s style classic slasher and stuff. Like, yeah. and then it just took away from it too much. Yeah, I mean, perfect example today, the day that we're recording is the 30th anniversary of the first episode of X Files. Yeah, that it is I launching, that. Mm-hmm. and that is a show that could, and we know because the reboot does not work with modern technology. It's just too. It's too easy. Yeah. It's every time there's a mystery, you just fucking Google it. You and know then, what I yeah, mean? And that's, like, that's what's unfortunate about, like, I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, there are a lot of newer classics out there. I mean, that are going to be classics for a long time. Sure. Uh, you know, specifically franchises and stuff like that. But at the same time, a lot of it's just shit. A lot of those franchises are period movies, though. Right, that's true. Right, like yeah. even though they're modern movies, they take place in the sixties or seventies. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. the 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 horror movie set in modern times is just it's too easy. Yeah. It's the same reason, like, if you get into the like true crime stuff with the serial killers and all that, it becomes very clear very quickly that the heyday for that was the sixties, seventies, early eighties. Yeah, that's and true. A, a big reason for that is technology. It is a lot harder to kill 40 people and get away with it now than it was then. You know what I mean? It was scarier times. I mean, that plus also then. police and forensics and stuff like that now have yeah. so much more capabilities than, than ever yeah. before. Yep. I mean, they can take a picture of like a crushed in skull and, you know, make a reasonable assumption or whatever recreation of what that person actually looked like yeah i mean you know as morbid as that sounds whatever 
but I mean, no, yeah, it's, it's legit. Yeah. Yeah. Shit that like, you know, there's that classic quote that technology to like, to a certain extent, like technology that is sufficiently advanced appears to be magic. Right. Yeah. So like without a doubt. they're doing shit now that if you showed a, a detective in the fifties, they would be like, that's magic. That yeah. doesn't even how that's how witchcraft. That Hang him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even even in the fifties it would have been right. magic. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think would... the same thing applies to horror. I think yeah. it it's just it's all so connected and open and everyone has access to information all the time. It's just less scary. But on the other hand, uh, last last October, I watched. Uh, I think it was on Halloween, actually. Um, I watched on Shutter the super classic. I can't remember the title, and I'll have to. I'll have to come come back to it eventually, just to pull up the title. But like, fantastic movie was about this guy. He like he was this uh, big like influencer and constantly doing like Twitch or whatever, whatever that version of Twitch was. Yeah. And like something happened and then like he had been like people started to really not like him. So he was trying to come back on his career and like he's like I'm going to I'm going to go and stay in this like notoriously known like well-known haunted house. And I'm yeah. going to I'm going to post every single bit of it. So he like posts cameras up and it and like shit starts to happen, like ghosts and everything. Like you know this house is legit haunted. But the movie even though it's like super super modern and takes place it's all live streamed and stuff like that mm-hmm. was so well done that it was fantastic nice. and a couple of other ones like the host if you've seen that one took place yes. over yeah. um over the covid stuff like yeah. and it's just them i mean and if you've seen unfriended it's the same the, the yeah, first like unfriended group chat very similar stuff yeah. and i love yeah. that like i love that yeah. style because it's like it's not your traditional like found footage or whatever else, but it's also with the use of modern technology yeah. that makes that so good. See, and when if it weren't for that, it would not be able to do what it what they did. Yeah, absolutely. And when people figure it out, that makes it even more impressive. You know. But yeah, I mean, like, I think I think depending on how it's done, I think a lot of like newer like you know with with having modern technology. I mean, you know, we can we can create a lot of really really decent horror movies but the fact i mean especially trying to figure out the best way to say this like the ones that are period pieces are that much better because we have access to this technology um whereas the one with like the ones that like really like put out like the modern tech and stuff like that sometimes just don't do it as well but that's what see i think when when it is set in modern day that modern technology that usually is a hindrance has to be the main focus. Yeah. That's when it's best. When they like face the the hindrance head on yeah. and they're like, we're going to make this actually the reason why it's scary. You know what I mean? One that I am very pumped to see is the new Exorcist. Yeah. Have you seen any trailers for it? I haven't About yet. the two girls that become simultaneously like possessed. Ooh, no. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. And it's also in modern. Like it's a modern okay. horror, interesting. So yeah, it's, it's messed up though. Like, <laughs> I'm sure it better be with a na- you know if they're using the namesake for the Exorcist. But like, I think that with the exorcism things kind of also subvert the the hindrance of technology because the big bad in that is it can't be affected by the technology. By the technology you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. It's a fucking demon. It doesn't care if you have a cell phone in your pocket or not. Right. You know what I mean? That's true. 
But like slasher films make a lot less sense. I was going to say slashers definitely. But another fantastic new one that utilizes technology well is Talk to Me. Because they're doing, like, that's the one about the hand, right? Where they grab the hand, say, talk oh, to me, yeah. and they're instantly, like, yeah, they're yeah. possessed, right? Okay. And it's yeah. all, like, these kids are, like, posting this on, like, Snapchat and, like, on yeah. their Insta stories and all this shit. And that's where it gets popular, because they're, like, they're right. going to parties and posting it. And so, yeah, that's that's how they, like, people start to be like, oh, I want to try this. It spreads it, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that's another one where modern tech really, like at the prime of you know the movie itself like it helps to boost it yeah yeah that makes sense we should probably stop talking about horror movies and talk about the episode (laughs) it's october we can talk about horror movies all we fucking want um yeah the history okay you want to get into the history of it yeah let's uh so there's no legit specific point that that this is like currently known um like all like all good urban legends right right? you don't want to you don't want a specific um, inspiration. Right. But some folklorists yeah. and historians uh, believe that the story began circulating sometime in the 50s. Um, and there's uh, there's Jan Harold uh, Brandvind or Borvind, um, okay. however you pronounce their last name, uh, wrote a book called Vanishing Hitchhikers, an American Urban Legend and its Meaning. Um so according to that book, the story just kind of happened out of nowhere. Okay. And then it continued on. Like, um, there was actually an article posted in Dear Abby, which is probably the one that is the most uh, the most popular. Um, that, of, like, took it national. Right. So yeah. it was November 8th of 1960, and a reader had said, Dear Abby, if you are interested in teenagers, please print this article. I don't know if it's true, but for me it served its purpose, so it doesn't matter. I heard of a story where a couple were on a date on Lover's Lane. Uh, It was a favorite spot, so they had necked for a bit while listening to the radio. The music was interrupted by an announcer announcing that there was an escaped prisoner in the area who had served time for rape and robbery. They were depicted as having a hook in place of their right hand. The couple had got scared and drove off. Uh, When the boy was taking his girlfriend home, he went around to open the car door for her. Then he noticed a hook on the door handle. I'm not going to park for flirting as long as I live. I hope this will be the same for other children. So and this was posted in 1960, yeah. right? That's intense. Um, yeah. yeah, which I mean... For Dear Abby. <laughs> 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 right, no doubt. Um, yeah. You know, which is... It's it's kind of silly, but at the same time, like, it serves its purpose. Yeah, it's kind of like a PSA. Yeah. Right? Yeah, of course. Like, yeah. They're out there necking. I like that. Necking. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. aside from that, um, I mean, there, there's other, there's other thoughts that uh, a lot of people believe the legend may have its roots in real life murders uh, in the Lovers Lane area, mm-hmm. such as the 1946 Texarkana Moonlight Murders. Yes. Um. So, for those that aren't aware, a series of basically four unsolved serial murders. And related violent crimes committed in and around the Texarkana region of Arkansas and Texas in the late winter and spring of 1946. And they were attributed... It's such a cool case. It's a super awesome case, but they were attributed to an alleged unidentified serial killer known uh, at the time as Phantom of Texarkana. Yep. So basically, these attacks occurred at night on, on weekends between February 22nd and May 3rd, targeting male-female pairs. 
The first three attacks were at Lover's Lane. Uh, Lover's Lane areas or quiet stretches of road on the Texas side. The fourth attack occurred on an isolated at an isolated farmhouse in Arkansas. And the murders were reported nationally and internationally by several publications as well. And caused a state of panic in Texarkana throughout the summer. Which is nuts because these people, as, as a result of freaking out so much about this, armed themselves... Uh, basically, they would lock themselves in as soon as dusk hit, and police patrolled neighborhoods, streets constantly back and forth. Stores were sold out of guns, ammunitions, uh, or ammunition locks, um, and a lot of just different protective devices. Um, and people would literally sleep with guns on both sides of them at night. Yeah, and like cuddle with their with their guns. Yeah. Um, and it was also said that some of the youth even attempted to try and beat and ambush the killer as well, <laughs> which I think is awesome. Um, the the police also conducted stings where they would have like male cops making out with women in cars waiting to try and like draw to draw him in. That's so, so which is super weird. So weird Just like br- bring your girlfriend to work right. day. All right, babe, yeah. we're going to do some necking tonight. <laughs> That's right. Some, some friggin' snogging, if you will. Hopefully catch us a, a serial killer. Right. Um, yeah, it's a super interesting case. It was. It's, it was. That, like, it because I've only done, like, preliminary reading on it, but, like, that, because that region is so rural at that time period that even though it's in the 40s, it feels like reading about a case from the late 1800s. It's like half in Texas, half in Arkansas. Like, literally yeah. just a, a line. So on one side, yeah, this was happening. Strip. On the other line, this was happening. Yep. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think, I, I know you had mentioned wanting to eventually dive into this case, so I won't go too much into it. Yeah, um, I'd like to go full, full, fully into it at some point. They did accuse someone of, uh, and, and again, if we're going to do it, I won't, I won't give any names or anything. But they did accuse someone of these murders um, because he was he was caught basically doing petty crimes in the area. Yeah, and he was eventually acquitted because there wasn't enough evidence. But yeah. he did serve he basically a, a period of time burglar. for petty crime, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when there's a a midnight you know serial killer going around you don't want to be caught out prowling for whatever reason right exactly yeah like you see this guy out there i mean and you know that there's like this known serial killer yeah or serial killers right possibly which i think it was more than one you think so i think so yeah i mean i think it was a team effort that reminds me of another lover's lane killer the zodiac the Zodiac was a big Lover's Lane killer. Yeah, there were some uh, Son of Sam murders yep. as well. So yep. I mean, it's a very popular, like, <laughs> very popular thing. <laughs> popular, I, I'm popular in the sense that I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not going to say they're like putting themselves into these situations. Like you were asking for it. No, like I would, you know, <laughs> no, I'd never no. say it like that. Yeah, but like due to the the area and the nature of the situation, it it was like prime pickings at that point. Yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous necking. <laughs> Dangerous snogging. <laughs> necking. Necking is so funny. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. I prefer snogging, but necking I think is hilarious. Necking reminds me of Seinfeld. Because <laughs> there's that <laughs> there's that episode where uh, Jerry's mom flips out because she finds out that he was necking with his girlfriend while they were watching Schindler's List in the movie theaters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
And obviously they're a Jewish family. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like and she's like, How could you? <laughs> oh, there's nothing wrong at all with that show aside from the last episode. I know we've talked about it a bunch, but I'm just gonna throw it yeah. out there. Ugh, such a disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> I like I mean, I think it did a good job because I mean, it's it been like twenty years job, since it aired right. and you're yeah. still talking about That's it. That's true. That's true. All right, so let's let's talk about like popular culture. Yeah. Um. Before before you get into like where it's shown up in yeah. pop culture, why don't each of us give our favorite instance of this legend being used in pop culture? In, yeah, in a movie or a TV or I know whatever, what you did last summer. Damn it! A thousand mine. percent. <laughs> yeah. I will also give you my runner up if you want to. And I was about to talk about okay. all this. Yeah. It's a SpongeBob episode. It's episode uh, season two, episode uh, sixteen. Okay, I found it. Uh, it's called "Changes to the Graveyard," where Squid Squidward basically tells the story of the Hushling Thrasher, a dark and faceless figure in a raincoat with an old rusty spatula instead of a hand, <laughs> yeah. in an attempt to basically scare scare SpongeBob while he's working late at night. That's awesome. Yeah, super yeah. good. I think my favorite for sure though is. I know what you did last uh, summer. That, if that when that movie came out, dude. Uh-huh. I know life the shit out of that movie for such a long time. I also had a massive. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, why can't I think of her name right now? Uh, Jennifer know, Love. Jennifer Hewitt. Love Hewitt. Yes, a massive, massive crush on her. Yeah. Um, but that movie was just spectacular. Yeah, like, it's a it's a great slasher. I remember going to the theater really and seeing is. it. Like, yeah, it yep. was so good. And uh, and that was like right on the heels of Scream. Yeah. So I always like relate those two together. Those are like the two mastheads on the '90s slasher. I mean, they're some of the wave. best '90s horror movies in existence, yeah, for sure. Just they like they did such a good job. And that opening scene where they're like mm. riding riding on that uh, you know their that coastline basically. Yes. And they're like drinking and basically having a good old time and they just hit that guy yeah and then yeah just honestly i re i rewatched it about a year ago and like the acting is fucking great it is i know it's great it's, it's a great like, movie i was shocked i was not expecting it to hold up a as group well of as teenagers or young 20s back then like yeah they were is all that, like i think Freddie, relatively new actors too they were i think freddie prince jr is. is one of the mm -hmm. guys right but they're so fucking good dude they are in that opening scene where they hit the guy they are so good i think the movie before that that jennifer love hewitt was in was uh can't hardly wait yeah and that was also one of my all-time favorites like still is yeah. one of my all-time favorites for sure um, seth green yeah so good yeah. Yo, Jane, you want to dance? <laughs> I'm allergic. Allergic to dancing? <laughs> so good. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, no, a phenomenal movie. And so, yes, it's my definitely my number one. Like the raincoat, the, the base of the slicker, like. Yeah. The hook, all of it. Yeah. It's fantastic. But like <sighs> the follow ups for me weren't nearly as good. They were decent. See, I liked the first one. I liked the, the first the sequel. Second, they, yeah, they the go second downhill one was fast. Decent. The third one, doesn't that take place in like some like ski lodge or something? Like yep, Yeah, I think that so. was weird. Um yep. but yeah. So that's Yeah, the sequels the sequels don't hold up nearly as well as the sequels to Scream. Scream had a lot better sequels. I mean still even the most recent Scream yeah. I thought was fantastic. 
I haven't I seen it, but it. my like the story. My boys watched good. it, and they were super into it. Yeah, yeah. And that's another modern modern tech is is used you know quite a bit is in the it? movie. Yeah, right on. Um, but there's actually uh, is it on Prime? I can't remember what it's on, but there is a uh, I know what you did last summer series. Now it's actually pretty decent. Oh yeah, not too terrible. Okay. I've seen some ads for that. I haven't checked it out though. Yeah, I I actually just I started watching it honestly just the other day. Yeah, um, and I got like three or four episodes in, and I'm you know I'm not terribly disappointed. So nice. If I if if I can watch <laughs> an episode more than an, like if I can watch more than one episode of a show, yeah, and be like this shit is just the worst thing in the world, or not be like that, then I'm okay with it. I'm gonna continue to watch it. Now you're someone who doesn't really give a show much of a chance, right? Like, I mean, I a lot you of give things, it like a few episodes max, and if it hasn't hooked you, yeah. you're done. I have right? to watch more than one because, like, I have a thing. It's just like a movie. If I make it halfway through a movie, I can't stop and never finish it. I have to stick it out. Yeah. Same way with the show. Like, if I, I I have to watch the first episode, maybe like one or two following episodes to make sure because a lot of shows are very dry at the beginning. Yeah, The Office, for example, the first season, the first six episodes, I think, are in the first season. Or yeah. just a shit show. You think so? And then season two really takes off. But you go back and watch those, that first that first season is golden. That's funny, because do you like the UK office? See, I really I really did like the UK office, actually. Because those first four or five episodes of the American office are the are exactly the same as their UK but the counterparts. It's more with different dry actors. and it's Yeah, it's intentionally dry. Exactly. I mean that's UK humor. Yeah. Exactly. It's just, and I love that. You think like, it, that's one it of just my didn't work with time. the. You I think it just didn't work with the American cast? I don't know. Like that first season, especially Michael Scott, it's just so cringy. I think he's doing Ricky Gervais. Yeah, I mean, you he, know what I mean. And I think that's is, the problem. Yeah. But when, like, once the like writers find his voice and get it's like start writing him, it's it's a lot. Better. I mean, there's a reason. It's one of my all time favorite shows. You know, like, and, sure. and I, yeah. but most of the time when I rewatch it, I'll start with season two or season three. Okay. I mean, cause I, yeah. I really like the development of Jim and Pam versus uh, season three into season four, where he's like dating Karen yeah. and comes back from, you know, from, uh, yeah. wherever. Yeah. Comes back to Scranton. And- I, um, I, what I like about the office is the same thing I like about Seinfeld, which is I'll just pick a random episode that, yeah, and that's watch fair. it. You know what I mean? And oh, I can, I it's can one of those shows too. that you can yeah. do that. Yeah. Trailer Park Boys is another one of those. Yep. But same Letter Letter Kenny too. I absolutely love and I hated it for the first few times that I watched, but I I I have to start a season one with Trailer Park Boys. That first episode where you meet Bubbles yeah. and then ju- they're they're filming and Julian comes up. They had just gotten out of him and him and uh, Ricky had just gotten out of prison. And Bubbles is like, This is my best friend Julian. Like and like <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, what am I on the TV for? <laughs> like I yeah. love that. It's so good. But, but like, uh, I didn't appreciate yeah. that at first. Right. Those those two shows are also the kind of show that you can just drop in on any episode. Yeah, that's and true. It's a it's a great time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyhow, horror. <laughs> Somehow we got off on comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um there was a there was a version of this story I'm sure as most people probably know it most mostly from which is in the 1981 collection of short horror st- uh, stories for children scary stories tell in the dark. Yes. Um one of our biggest inspirations for this show. Yeah, that along yeah. with uh, are you afraid of the dark? Um yep. 
Yep. Fucking goosebumps. Yeah, all, all that of stuff. Them. Yeah, all of yeah. them. Yeah. And yeah, I mean that's probably I think where what really got this into the mainstream, okay. right? Which inspired a lot of the movies and things like that that followed. Uh, however, there was in, in 1979 there was a, a Bill Murray movie called Meatballs. Oh yeah, where he he tells he tells the hook legend to his campers around the campfire. Yep, which I had forgotten about, and I looked it up. I was like, "Holy shit, that's been a long time." Yeah, yeah, and he tells a great version of it too. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But can you imagine a better camp counselor than Bill fucking Murray, dude? Oh, <laughs> right. Just Bill Even, Murray as, as yeah, just everything Bill Murray is yeah, fantastic. Yep. yep. Yeah, that would have been awesome. I would have uh, <laughs> I would went to that summer camp like well into adulthood just to hang out. Exactly. Um its prevalence though was mainly reflected of course in slasher films as we know as we know now, right? Yeah. Um so in 1980 there was a film called uh called He Knows You're Alone and Basically, it opens with a young couple being attacked by a murderer in a parked car. Okay. Um, the final exam was another one uh, shortly after, which opens with a couple being attacked uh, in a parked car, followed by the murder of a student with a hook in a college locker room. Okay. Um, there was the Campfire Tales anthology. <laughs> okay. Which I always think about for the with the show. I mean, in 1997... Yeah. Opens with the retelling of the Hook legend set in the 1950s. Of course, I know what you did last summer, 1997. Um, and then, uh, and then, of course, you think about it, the Candyman films. Oh yeah, that's true. Are very are very closely related to to the story as well. That's interesting because that's kind of like a blending of two. Yeah, urban legends, right? Because the Candyman is its own just can man right exactly you know? yep. yeah and then of course the hook hand one they add in that hook hand yeah yep. which i think it's really cool jordan peele did a fantastic reimagining of Candyman in 2021 and it was actually really really good yeah, yeah. i've heard it's really i haven't seen it but i've heard it's super i good. i really dug it so it's well worth a watch um, he, everything he makes is oh, good, he, so. dude this is brilliant yeah. absolutely uh season one who of Go ahead. Who would have guessed when we were watching Key and Peele in like the mid two thousands that right, like, like he was going to go on to be one of the best right, horror? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, he did fucking Sky Whales. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the living UFOs. Yeah, like it's one of my favorite weirdest niche fourteen subjects. And he's like, yeah, I'll make a movie about that, and did it exceptionally. Yeah, like, and it was super popular. And it was, yeah, to take right. such a weird niche fourteen idea and make a fucking hit and he movie just like, out of it. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll run with this. Yeah, nobody else is doing it. Sure. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for. Oh, for without his a doubt, film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean every every movie he's made has been so good, though. Yeah, absolutely. the The big breakout one was what Get Out. Yeah, that was that was yeah. probably the and that was. Yeah, that's probably like one of his his openings to yeah. the horror genre, and like I mean that film did extremely well too. Yeah, I mean you have it something that's scary as fuck and hits home socially. Yeah, like that's that's, that's yep. the sweet spot. What was the one know? with the family? Um, us. Yes, Is it us? that one. That one was so good too. Yeah, like just yeah. Super, I, I didn't see us. I super missed it. creepy. Just really, really weird. Like the guy knows how to do weird extremely well. Yes. Not just creepy, but just 
just weird like yeah unsettling very unsettling yeah there you go yeah yeah another fantastic one for sure which you should definitely check it out if you haven't seen it yeah i will i will i i added it to my list sweet so as we continue to talk about this uh, in the media, uh, Supernatural actually did a retelling, a modified retelling, kind of similar to what I did um, in season. Uh, what was it? I think it was in season one. Um, but anyhow, basically, their story tells about um, the person, the spirit of Jacob Carnes. He was a preacher who basically killed prostitutes in 1862 on uh, in uh, Ninth Mile. Like okay. there was a series of, series of murders and it was all done. We'll know how can. Okay. Um, ghost but it was serial ghosts, right? Yeah. Interesting. So yeah. you know, kind of kind of similar to that possible. I mean, which I mean, take the story as you will. Yeah. It can either be a zom- zomboid. It can be a ghost. It can be a legit. You know, just a creepy it could be man. a fella. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I like that because it's like you have to measure the perception of the characters right yeah for sure yeah i love that element in a scary story i really like this era of supernatural too like when they were still doing the monster of the week episodes yeah like this oh man that first season of supernatural when you're first getting into it every episode it was like i'm living for this yeah if it's i mean it's october like if you haven't seen supernatural just go watch the first season yeah like just Give yourself the first season of Supernatural as a Halloween gift. Like, neatly packaged so and on your favorite streaming platform. <laughs> Actually, right. I don't know. I don't even that's know right. what it's on these days. I think it might still be on Netflix. It might be on Hulu. Um, that's a good question. Find it. You can I'm find sure. it. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you'll find, find it. I'm sure Every, all of you out here have something that it's on. Everybody has a dozen different streaming exactly. platforms I'm, now. So shit, you'll find it. I know it. I do. Yeah. yeah. And then that's, the other. I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say the other funny one was the SpongeBob one was what also what I had written yeah. down here. Yeah. That's cool. I really enjoyed your story though. It was like it was super well written. I liked it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I tried to I, um, I I wanted to make it just see like when we first started talking about the hook and I was really curious about how I'd, how I would do it. Yeah. So I went in and I started looking at some of these and then I started just doing some backstory search and then came across the Supernatural episode. So I rewatched that and then I was like, okay, that's, that's a pretty cool way to take it. Like, you know, yeah. but more kind of, kind of different, um, you know, than the traditional, but make it scary. Like, you know, and actually that yeah. I mean, I feel like the traditional tale you can tell in two sentences. Yep. You know, like it's very easy. So I was like very curious how I'd be able to do it. So. Yeah, I'm this this whole month I think you can expect cool spooky fiction based on the stories. Yeah, without a doubt. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the direction we're going. Um yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. I like and the debriefs are going to be kind of loose. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's a hangout. We're enjoying spooky season here. So yeah. Let's uh let's wrap this up by telling more kind of creepier backstories and other versions of the hook and legend yeah we'll keep absolutely. these short and brief so of course okay. we have the traditional lovers lovers lane where they escape in just the you know, just the nick of time right we have two teenagers making out in a parked car when they hear a story on the radio about an escaped convict with a hook for a hand the girlfriend hears a scratching outside the car and demands that they leave. The boyfriend speeds off, frustrated because he's not getting laid. And when he arrives at the girlfriend's house, the couple discover a hook on the door handle. 
The implication is that because the girlfriend insisted on leaving, the couple near narrowly missed the hookman's attack. Yeah, that's that's the dear Abby. Right, that's that's your traditional. Yeah. Now we also have a version of that where the couples don't escape. So okay. in another version of the story, they're less lucky. They spot the hookman and try to escape, but the hookman holds onto the roof of the car and goes right along with them, eventually killing them. Yeah, I call that one the hitchhiker. Because it reminds me of one of the stories in Creepshow 2. Okay. You remember Creepshow 2? I haven't seen Creepshow in a long time. Yeah. So in Creepshow 2, there's one of them is called The Hitcher. And There's also a 1986 this, film called The Hitcher. Yeah? Yeah. Right on. They, um, in this, a woman hits the, the guy, though, and he, like, hangs onto the car and he, like, terrorizes her That's awesome. the whole way home. And dude, it's it's gnar- it has all the like practical effects, makeup, and yeah. like fucked up face, and he's like reaching through. Also, I imagine for some reason I picture the hook hand coming through like the through like a rag top on the car. Oh yeah, you, know you have I mean? to imagine the like rag top for on. sure. Yep. Yeah, like it reminds yeah. me of that the the first, and I think it's actually in um it's in the remake too. But the first uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Where yep. Freddy like the, cuts through the cuts through the the sheets, and then also the scene where he's coming up out of the water like with the glove. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. I dig that. I dig that a lot. Um, Great visuals. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, my favorite part of that, and they also did it in the uh, I think they did it in the remake too, which is where he's coming through the wall. So the wall is like out, and like you could see him. Yeah. Just, like, yeah. yeah. Frighteners style. Yeah. Although, yeah. unfortunately, and I think it was the first one, it might have been the second, I think it was the first, where the boy ends up, uh, the boyfriend ends up in the, the waterbed. Oh, but yeah. It might have been the second one. I don't know. It's been a while since I've that traumatized I've me, dude, watched those. That traumatized me, dude, as really? a kid. Yeah, because yeah. I slept on a waterbed. I mean, that's fair then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there is a version of this where the, boy, the boyfriend gets murdered. So in one variation of the story, the boyfriend gets out of the car to relieve himself, and while the girlfriend waits for him, she hears the same radio broadcast. She then begins hearing a scratching noise on the roof of the car. When she gets out, she finds that her boyfriend has been hanged from a tree, and the noise was his feet scraping against the car roof. Oh, yeah. This is basically the story of the actual movie Urban Legend, which was a 90s movie. 90s? I think 90s? Yeah. Might have been early two, yeah, like early 2000s, early ats. Could have been. Yeah, could have been. Or Somewhere in that era, but yeah, it was it was that was basically the one they used for Urban Legend. Okay, there's also yeah. a version. I like that one too. Yeah, I like that one I too. Like the visual of like the uh, the tips of his shoes, kind of like swaying and I dragging. I like it better that she drives off, and then he just dips and yeah, yep, he's done. Oh, like he's he's standing on top. Yeah, of the, he's like he's trying to, he's he trying to gain yeah, like yeah. you know get his his footing right. Yeah, and then she drives away, and then she she just kills him, basically. Yeah, like yeah. a horse in a western. Yeah, yeah, where they slap the horse out from underneath the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's also a different version where the boyfriend's hanged upside down. Um. Basically, the scratching noise that the girlfriend heard was actually his fingernails scraping along the roof of the car. Gotcha. Yep. <clears throat> there's a version where the boyfriend gets his head cut off. Okay. So perhaps the most gruesome version of the story, the girlfriend stays inside the car and begins to hear a thumping sound. When she gets out of the car, she finds the hook man on the roof of her car, banging her boyfriend's severed head on it. And in some <laughs> versions, he also, in his other hand, is dangling the car keys. <laughs> oh my god. 
which I think <laughs> is pretty escalated awesome. so quickly. I know. Just <laughs> smacking the head. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, That's atrocious. There's also the 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 like when they were trying to piece all this together and stuff. A lot of people believed that, of course, they were targeting young teenagers trying to have sex. It was to deter them yeah. away, like you know, as a means to do so. So there's a version of the Hookman murders where he kills sexually active college students. Yeah. Uh, so taking the moral of the story to the extreme, some variations of the Hookman legend ditch the parked car. And have him going straight into college dorms to murder murder sexually active students. The murder takes place while the victim's virgin roommate is asleep. In the morning, she sees a message on the wall. Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? Written in the victim's blood. Oh, shit. <laughs> I like how it varies in intensity based on how how worried the parents are of their children <laughs> right, being sexually yeah. active. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, a lot of a lot of people again. So we get back into that to believe that it's there to like scare teenagers into chastity, right? Yeah. So in the classic version of the story, the implication is that if the teenagers had stayed in the parked car and continued to make out, they would have been murdered by the hookman. Yeah. Uh, so the story is basically designed to scare young people out of sexual activity. Um, what's essentially misogynistic about the story is that at the girl, it's the girl's responsibility. To say no to the boyfriend. Yeah. Which is true. Exactly. Which is a very outdated yeah. concept, yeah. right? Yeah. Some people believe that the severed hook represents castration as well. Okay. So a Freudian interpretation of the story holds that the hook found on the door handle, severed from severed from the killer's hand, represents castration. The boyfriend is trying to have sex when a voice on the radio, representing the voice of authority or his own conscience in some cases, mm-hmm. interrupts him. Then his girlfriend stops him and says she wants to go home. At the same time, the story is supposed to warn against having sex. It illuminates men's fear about being emasculated when they can't get laid. Right. Which. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And then finally, there's another one by uh, folklorist Bill Ellis um, says that the hook man is crippled by his lack, lack of sexuality. So basically he says that the legend needs to teach a lesson to prying morally self-righteous adults not horny teenagers. He thinks that the hook man's disability represents his own lack of sexuality and that the abnormal drive of some adults to keep teenagers apart is the true threat to society. Okay. I that's kind of a that's kind of an angle on the serial killer too. Yeah. The you know because a lot of a lot of serial killers who target young couples are, you know, they're dealing with impotence or they have some kind of sexual dysfunction right they're mad because they can't get it themselves basically yeah which is sad you know it's sad it's sad for them first of all like you know (laughs) that sucks for you bud i'd say first of all it's sad for the (laughs) no i mean okay (laughs) no i'm gonna throw that in the somewhere of all there we go not first of all scratch that we'll we'll retract (laughs) that statement yeah um <laughs> Not first of all. You know what I mean. I'm all I right. Do. I wasn't I wasn't oh, damn it. It's okay. On that note, this has been episode one. <laughs> no, it sucks for it sucks for everybody I mean, yeah. involved, right? Because it's it's a it is a like it's a debilitating thing. Yeah. For right? sure. For for people to deal with and that's you know the exact wrong way to go. I was going to say you shouldn't be killing it. people because you're jealous. Yeah, but jealousy has caused a lot worse issues. For sure, 
Like I don't know if it's really is, uh, worse than murder, but <laughs> sure. Jealousy has caused mean, a like, lot of murder issues. Let's go with that. It's true. Yeah. It's a it's a very common um motive. Yeah, for sure. For murder, yep. right? Jealousy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. And I mean, you know, you get so far into the impotence thing and you blend that with psychopathy and someone who has their wires crossed where violence and sexuality, you know, go hand in hand, get somebody like that and they start replacing the, you know, the act of penetration that they can't get from sex with the penetration of, you know, stabbing or like with the hook. Yeah. It's almost (laughs) satisfactory. Right. It becomes sexual, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Sexual sadists, right? That's true. That's like a huge percentage of serial killers. Yep. That is without a doubt. Yeah. As we will continue to talk about with our serial killer episodes that we do. Oh, yeah. For sure. And I think probably with a lot of these urban legends this month. Because a lot of these are based off off killers in real life. I think uh, I think on that note, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, this is gonna be episode one eighteen, the hook hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at campfire T-O-T-S-A-U on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.